0: Hey, right. here we are here we are this is uh episode 63 of what? science in between welcome yeah. back
1: welcome back i didn't we got to be careful with this like naming the the episode by number
0: well no i think i'm on board now i think i've got this all figured out it's all good this that's what it goes wrong all has nope. got it figured right. out i'm talking about myself in the third person yep starting that's a the bad episode. sign <laughs>
1: starting to be carl malone yes carl malone says this yeah. is episode 63
0: there are people googling carl carl malone malone right malone's now. podcast <laughs> yeah. oh is that really <laughs> i don't listen to carl malone podcast i didn't know he had one
1: carl malone in between oh nice <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know i was I, I was out in schools this week and uh there was i was observing a music classroom with one of our interns is a music classroom and they were teaching their i think a seventh graders to to use GarageBand to create podcasts so they were all creating a podcast and so they had all of this list of things did you they knock wanted. like a
1: little kid down and say shut up and watch me watch it watch somebody who oh, knows what they're doing
0: yeah let me add that no uh the teacher said, "Here are the things that you need to include in a good <laughs> podcast." And I went, oh, "We don't have any of those. <laughs> like we would fail oh, this class." Interesting topic. <laughs> uh, yes. Nope,
1: don't get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, we, we "Charming host." This project. Nope, fail. Nope.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, great.
1: We got good, good show art.
0: <clears throat> yeah. yeah, but that wasn't you and I. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's good times. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Episode yeah.
1: sixty-three in the can. Yeah. Nice job. The can that.
0: <laughs> See you next time. N- nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> that's a thing of beauty. Yeah. Good work. Uh, uh, so, what what are we talking about today, Scott?
1: I don't know. I was thinking. uh I was just looking at a random list of words here, and I saw this word <laughs> "standards." <laughs> yeah. So I thought I thought maybe we just talk about those.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good conversation. Yeah. thanks. Standards. Standards. Yeah. So. Why it's do we nice. have them? Why do we have uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Like, why do we have to learn these? What, what,
1: <laughs> is this going to be on the test?
0: Yeah, is someone going to ask me about these?
1: <laughs> Name all the standards. <laughs> yes. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> you mean yeah. like all the different
1: kinds of standards or all yeah. the standards or what?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we have, I mean, I, every discipline has them, right? Every there are disciplinary standards, you know, in, in across the board, <laughs> some are, you know, content based it's what i think is interesting I'm, i i mean there's lots about this conversation that i think is going to be interesting but i think that um what has how they've adapted and evolved for those of us who have been working in like education for, you know uh, you know some time we've seen how standards have evolved from you know they were very like Content specific, like you will learn this, like you will learn, you know, lists of facts, lists of facts, elements in the periodic table, or like you know, when when I, I, we were talking before we got on about the isti standards, and if you look at the isti standards, that's from like the, the technology standards from the International Society for Technology and Education. Um, those standards are what, if you go back to like the 80s and 90s, they were like things that were so skill based and specific technology based, like students will know how to use a spreadsheet, students will know how to use a word processing uh, program, students will know how to, I don't know, code in HTML, it was that level of minutiae and facts and skill base that it was like specifics. And I think that's the same thing that's happened in in a lot of content area standards, too, is that they've been uh, so specific in terms of you know, content and like what they were going to learn and how they were going to learn. And now for like the course of, uh, I don't know, like two or three decades, they've now become, I don't know, more, uh, uh, practice based, not practice based, but like promoting like participation, right. Mm. It's like, how, what, how does that stuff lend to being some sort of, you know, some sort of practice, some sort of thing, like some sort of activity. Yeah. You know? I mean, in,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think you you can look back and see versions of that. Like in the past, there was always the sort of like skills that were separated out and taught independently. So the scientific method being the classic example in science, right? But we had inquiry too, which laid out all these sorts of like, here are the inquiry skills that kids are going to learn. So there's always been a sort of, um, you know, process component to standards. But I think one of the things we're seeing at least in science, um, is that there's an intention to integrate those more with the content standards, and I think that at least in part has to be attributed to the to the influence of sociocultural learning theory and the idea that that right. no- knowledge is more situated in practice and is a little dip more difficult to pull it apart. And when you do, you end up with people learning stuff that is not as useful, right? And so I think I think there's been a recognition of that, but I think, you know, the fascinating thing about standards is, well, first they haven't been around really that long. And then, and then they're sort of ever uh, closer entwinement with assessment and, and what that's done to schools. I mean, you know, it's not like, like in the fifties and sixties and into the seventies, like there weren't really standards in school. I mean, we had textbooks and so, you know, textbooks were sort of the de facto, standard in that you know you buy a textbook and that sort of defined how the class went but there was huge variation across schools and and so there wasn't a sense of continuity or consistency and so e- even one of the questions is like why why would we do this in the first place like right why would we have standards and and the US is weird right and we've talked about this but the fact that it's a bunch of independent districts and at the very least uh, organized by state yeah But, you know, most of the rest of the world has some version of a national curriculum. Um, And so
0: I I would even say that, like even with the states, like that's still a pretty recent thing where the states started like defining standards like that. A lot of that was. Up to local schools to you know, and their school boards and their local curriculum experts to be able to say these are the things that where we think are valued, and and well, it still
1: technically is, right? Right, it's, right. It's,
0: but that yeah, and it's uh, that but, they've
1: developed these assessments now that sort of force right. schools to conform.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so and and with a lot of that, they're they're kind of driving the curriculum to align more with those standards and how they're assessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, that's still a recent thing, probably within the last like 20 years. Right. Right. And and so in and while if you're like a newer teacher listening to you're like, well, that's been 20 years. But, you know, in the history of education in America, that's just a blip. Right. That's.
1: Yeah. yeah. And well, and even like in science, we can look back and and, you know, the national science education standards, which arguably are the first real set of of a real attempt at real national standards. Uh, were in 1996, yeah. um, and so you know the and and they had no teeth and they weren't adopted by really anybody. They were just sort of a document that ended up guiding mostly scholars in science education rather than actual school districts. Though so some school districts sort of moved towards inquiry-based instruction, but that just became like a, a, a like a generic term for doing labs and not right. not just lecturing all day. So it so a lot a lot lost a lot of its meaning. So that yeah, I mean that that is one of the challenges of of standards and we saw this in Common Core and NGSS is that you know then then national government can't adopt them because they don't have control over school districts so states can do it like Pennsylvania's working through their process right now and um they they can adopt a set of standards and then develop assessments for them but you know there there are there state their states or their school districts that um that don't do state testing and opt yeah, out, they and, opt out.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: and so so even then like you the United States has a lot, of, a lot of local control of schools.
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that's great about America, but also one of the challenges when you're trying to do something like this is that, you know, there's you know States rights and then, you know, taxation and representation. And so local school boards are like, look, you know, we're the uh, elected representatives for the local school district and we're the ones who get to determine what the curriculum is. And I mean, and curriculum goes through school boards. And so like, you know, when I've written curriculum and for, you know, and selected textbooks and all that, that's all at the local level. And and that's the way that things work. And while that's great for local representation and it's great for making change in local school districts, which we're seeing like times 100 right now, like it is like so um, apparent, it's so present right now in like so much of what's going on with you know this pandemic and also critical race theory and all that not to go down that rabbit hole but Mm -hmm. i think what we're seeing is the power of the local school district right and and that you know even when you know big representative bodies are saying hey these are some things that we need to teach or these are things um here are the standards that we you know are offering for content or standards for our discipline local school boards and the parents that you know go to the school board meetings have a lot of power Mm -hmm. and, and
1: yeah. And I, and I think it's worth then, you know, going back to our somewhat facetious, but initial question, like, but what, what are these things for? Like, why have standards in the first place? And I think it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think with NGSS the, at least one of the intents is to try and drive changes in instruction that have been seen as, not not very productive ways to teach science and, and how do we eliminate that well one lever is to try and make you know national change through standards so that's you know standards are often seen as a as a, an attempt to drive change but they're also a comparative well, yeah. especially when linked with assessment, there, um, and the way that they've been pitched and the way that they've that pitch has played out is also worth a conversation at some point. I don't know if we'll get to all that today, but you know, this idea of like, well, we want standards because we want schools that are underperforming um, to be identified. So. We can quote unquote support them to do yeah, better that's right
0: we're, right we' supporting are <laughs> going to
1: support right. you by taking you over and punishing you and firing right. all your people and you and know.
0: telling you all the things you're doing wrong yeah. yeah
1: yeah so um so I think you know the standards as linked to assessment are are an interesting phenomenon too. This idea of like on on some level, and we talk about this a lot in our Talks about education, like how they were conceptualized and how they get used, is not usually the right. same thing,
0: right? So, it's like, yeah, everything kind of gets misused yeah. based on the person that you know is using it. Like it's like, yeah. oh, this would be a really good thing, you know? right. for uh, my
1: my particular you know agenda, whatever that agenda might be. It's like, right. oh yeah, I want to put in place something, and so I'm going to use standards as my as my you know my lever to do that yeah well that
0: you know it's interesting because as you say that that's like another common theme that comes up in the, our, our podcast is the use and misuse of things right yeah, like sure. there's like the intended use like what it was designed for because i think just you know what was a couple episodes ago we were talking about um you know multiple intelligences and how it you know when gardner proposed it it was like hey this is like hey these are diff- all these different types of intelligences that people can possess and then it turned into hey let's you know co-opt it and talk about learning styles and yeah. everyone's got these unique learning styles it's like oh that's so far from the way it was intended and what it was designed for and but that's happened throughout education and i think that's yeah. probably happened with you know standards to to a degree is that like i think when all of these disciplinary groups created these standards they never said well you know let's hand it over to ETS to develop you know tests for it yeah
1: multiple choice tests for it yeah i mean well i think to to your larger point first i mean i think this it all. this also can be spoken to through sociocultural learning theory, right? Which is the idea that, that when you create things, they are tied to the community in which they were created. And so if you take them um, and move them to another community that has a different set of practices, that thing is right. that whatever that thing is, is going to get adapted to the local practice. And, and depending on the differences between the original community and the new community, you can have radically different notions of what that thing means. And, uh, you know we talk about toxic mutations we talk about all sorts of ways that things that were very well intended get moved somewhere else and become this you know pretty terrible thing and uh yeah and i think standards are an interesting and question and and even like development of standards over the years who who's involved and who gets to decide like what's important um in even at that stage is really interesting but but yeah, I think, you know, we're we're skipping around. Maybe we can think about a couple of key issues that we want to dig into here. But, um,
0: well, but I, think, I, think- I think the one point that you make is about like, why do we have them is because mm. I was, you know, before we started recording, I said that this week, I had that question from a student in my class, right? Like I was talking about the I introduced the ISTE standards, they teach a uh, sort of a, a conglomeration of a class. It's like, Instructional technology design and assessment—that's the class. So it's like you know one of these classes that happens where you you're like, okay, we have all these competencies, we've got to throw them together and mix them up, and and it's a pretty coherent class. Be, but um, you know, in that I introduced, but no, but I introduced ASC <laughs> uh, standards this week, and it was in a group of um with uh pre-service English teachers, um, and the one was like, okay like, what am I going to do with this information? Like, are am I going to get tested on this? Is this going to come up in an interview? Do I have to write lesson plans and put these, you know, how I'm meeting the ISTE standards. Mm. And I'm like, I think that's pretty unlikely that you're going to have any of those that, that, that you, I don't think it's going to come up in an interview. I don't think it's going to come up in, you know, writing lesson plans. It's just not. And she's like, well, then why are we learning them? And that's like the classic middle yeah. you know question in high school. When am I ever going to need to use this? Dr. Right? Drayon. Yeah, that's right. I just like that. <laughs> but my answer to her was, I think really ties, ties nicely what you were saying they're aspirational in nature they're like they're like the north star they're like the you know the moonshot right it's like why do we go to the moon not because it's you know easy it's but because easy it's hard because yeah it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> right but i but i think that's what this these do is they they kind of you know set out like something aspirational like okay we could change the nature of our classrooms and if we can change the nature of our classrooms to have them to imp- empower our learners to you know help them construct knowledge. These are all like things that are aspirational about the ISTE standards. Then you know that's kind of like let's push you in that direction. Let's help you think about the possibilities with your classroom. And I think that's the the thing I I like about the standards, but when we start to like assess them and say, okay, your class is doing great and your other class is failing, then, then I think they've been co-opted and bastardized in a good way, you know, a good bit, not a good way.
1: (laughs) Not in a good way.
0: Not in a good way at all.
1: Uh, Right. Uh, But I think, you know, um, the tricky thing is, is, um, and this is, we've seen this in standards before too, is like, I agree with everything you said and The tricky thing about them is that they are, in some levels, sort of like horoscopes in the sense that you can read into them a lot of your own meaning. And so, you know, you look at this performance expectation and it says, "Okay, students will will be able to develop a computational model that will help them describe the dynamic Earth and its Consequent i don't know i'm making this
0: up yeah, but I, I, they were doing well but yeah <laughs> that was a lot and, of bs and energy and uh <laughs>
1: yes. some other cross-cutting concept um <laughs> so you know it's like and then you give that to a high school teacher and they're like oh yeah well i had kids you know do some algebra while they were doing this you know looking at this map of of uh um earth and so now i'm doing computational modeling or whatever i mean that's yeah. uh, that's horrible that that I, you should we should edit that out that was just no, a terrible it's in example. the show it is uh, in the show it's terrible like that was so stupid i i i
0: it's for totally all unjustified. The, all the uh, moments that I've been stupid, uh, I am uh, just relishing in the fact that
1: <laughs> it's total dumbness. Like you're just gonna, me, we should just play white noise over this section of the show. It'd be people would be smarter no, for it.
0: But I think that the point you're trying to make here is that I think that the horoscope, you know metaphor i think is great because i think that we do as teachers look at those and say yeah you know i can see myself doing that i see that 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 really relates to what i'm doing and i think that's one of the challenges with it is that because these things even though people put great effort into trying to you know define them really well and make them operational um there they are like horoscopes because i'm going to look at that and say oh yeah i already do that or you know You know, just like a like a horoscope. Yeah, that happened to me today. That's right. I mean, it's like spot on. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely an Aries. I'm I'm definitely definitely
1: (laughs) totally. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think, but and and I think we saw we've seen this over and over with standards. Like it was one of the and then and then the. The down, so we saw that with inquiry, right? Like yep. when the inquiry in the national science education standards came along, people were like, oh yeah, I'm definitely doing inquiry. And um, and so teachers relabel their practice. So they don't make change in practice. They just relabel it. And then they get frustrated because they're like, God, these people keep coming back to us with like new names for stuff. And we're just, yeah. we're doing the same stuff and we're doing a great job. And I don't know why they got to keep renaming or all of our stuff because they're fancy living in their ivory tower, making up new words. and and the way it plays out that's not inaccurate because this the schools and and the teachers' pedagogy doesn't change that much hasn't changed that much. I mean it has changed I think it's um it's different than it used to be when we were kids but um that said, it hasn't changed to the degree that even the nineteen ninety six standards sort of were advocating for much less right. the new n g s s sort of integrated three d sorts of standards so um yeah, I think it's it's a really you know uh, standards are an effort to change a really complex system, and it's it, it can and is only one lever of change, right? Like we can't expect standards to do all that work because um, they they can't do all that work because um, these are massive cultural institutions that are not going to get changed just because you write new writing on the wall that says that's what's going to be taught there. So um, so
0: so. Scott, I know that you have played a, a role in, in this, um, at the state level. And I, I've played a role in the, um, the, uh, from the computer science standards. I was on mm-hmm. the committees that, uh, at the state level for computer science. And so you're on them for the science standards right now, trying to, you know, help to determine like how this, so you, I, I think it might be helpful for people to understand like how that happened. Like, so maybe we start from like this, you know, the, the national level, like I, I know I don't think you were involved with the um, the NGSS standards, but I think there's, you know, people who were right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, and I, I think I might, too. I might still know some folks who are involved in that, too. And so, like, how does that happen? How does this stuff get created? Like and then how does it, you know, translate it to state level? And then what happens after that? So,
1: yeah, no, I think that's a fair question. I mean, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about NGSS. So. So really, NGSS starts pre or prior to the NGSS with the the national the National Academies report about a framework for K twelve science education. So that that exists the NGSS by I think three years, two yeah, or three that's years. about right, yeah. And so that that National Academy's for for those of you who don't know, the National Academies is an organization in Washington, D.C., and they assemble groups of experts to write reports on various things across, well, depending on which National Academy, different areas. So National Academy of Science does reports about science. Um, so the the national academy assembled a group of of scholars of education and science education and more broadly and some science folks too who are you know whose expertise is science and they asked them to write this framework for what basically to guide a new set of standards and then a group got together that um was called the 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 ngss lead states and achieve uh was an organization that worked with them and they they're the ones that developed the actual standards like wrote when we talk about the performance expectations and that massive document that has all the different disciplinary core ideas and cross-cutting concepts and and uh science and engineering practices they're the ones that actually wrote the meat and potatoes of that um so they're assembled and and then there were a group of states who participated in sort of piloting those um standards across the country and um and then after that there's individual states had to adopt them right so um so in Pennsylvania's case we haven't had new standards since 2002 um and so it, i mean a thing to know about standards is there legislative Process. They're basically a law, um, and so they have to go through the same process that a lot of laws do, with some additional uh, features like public comment and things. Um, so, so yeah, in Pennsylvania, they they assembled some committees to to do this. They they had an organization, um, a research organization, who helped guide the process. Um, and basically, in terms of the um the process itself so they didn't they didn't make substantive contribution to the decision making but they did structure things like meetings and they did help gather data for us uh, around the state and things like that so yeah i mean The the, from there, it unfolds as a legislative process. So these committees have to meet, they have to write standards, those standards have to go to the state board, the state board has to look at them, they have to be open for public comment, there's public comment on them. um, And then the committees have to respond to that public commentary, and then it has to go back. And eventually, and that's where we are now, we're responding to the public commentary. Eventually, those are going to have to go to the legislature, and the legislature is going to have to vote them up or down. So that'll be the the big thing for us is um, whether those get voted up or down. Um, and if not, then uh, if they get, if they don't get voted in, um, then we will continue to operate on the 2002 standards. And I don't, I don't know where the process goes from there.
0: Right. I mean, it was very similar. Like the, the computer science standards were um, I wasn't involved with them at the the national level when they came to the, the, the state um, very similar process. And I wasn't involved on the standards in terms of, um, developing them for the K to 12, but I was looking at them from the standards of what, what individual computer science teachers were, you know, expected oh, to know. And sure. yeah, from that standpoint, like because the teacher it was,
1: education standards, right.
0: The teacher education standards, because it was like, um, up until that, like, um, and this is relative relatively recent in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, there was no, uh, computer science certification per se. And that it was like, yeah. Hey, you know, uh, a teacher should know how to do this. So, Um, Computer science was typically taught by math teachers or science teachers or business teachers. Those were like typically how folks got taught computer science. So depending on who taught that, this is the interesting thing in PA, depending on who taught the class, that's what it would count for in that student's, you know, graduation requirements uh, so I it see, would yeah. it would if it was a uh, taught by a math teacher then it would count as a math class if it was taught mm. by a business teacher it would count as a business class wow and i know and so up until i'd say and i think right now we're just a, you know having the first set of you know computer science teachers being you know certified in the state mm. um as a standalone certification right right but so all of that i mean that's how complicated all this is is that you know then and of course we can't just set the standards Then we have to say, okay, how does that align to this assessments, the praxis mm-hmm. tests and which praxis tests are we going to use? And it's like, then it comes back to, you know, how do, how do we, how do we assess it? Cause it doesn't yeah. really matter unless you assess it. Right. Right. Of course not to somebody, you know, Yeah, but these well, are and, big, and, huge. But, yeah, go ahead. These are big, huge processes that yeah. involve lots of people. And, and, but they're not like, I think at, probably when I first saw the, the, um, the, the, the science standards back in 96 I was like well who the heck are these people creating this you know I was Mm -hmm. a relatively new teacher but then now I'm like you know 20 30 years down the road I'm like oh those are us where are those people We're those people people right because you're on That some
1: new teacher is complaining about
0: right right yeah. and you we're like right. who are these old people doing this yeah. like no but like you know at the uh national academies i mean like your colleague rick duchel was on some sure. of those right yeah yep. and and so he was and i think he might have been on the ngss too was he not
1: yeah and joe Krajcek and a lot right. like a, a lot of senior scholars in science education brian riser um they you know they they were part of that effort to develop those standards um so, yeah, it is it is us um, right. and with and that has both the advantages and disadvantages that it has. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that
0: was the best thing you said today. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. So uh, but but, it you know, as you say, it's a massive process. Like if you look back, the last ones were in the mid 90s and now we're, you know, into the mid almost the mid 2020s before Pennsylvania may adopt them. Right. So, you know, you're talking about a really 25, 30 year, and I'm not saying as soon as that the, the NES, NSES, the National Science Education Standards were done that they immediately started on the next one. But it is the case that we cycle through, you know, every 20 to 25 years, we're doing some new version of this. And some of it's tied to legislative action, you know, No Child Left Behind and other sort of <clears throat> federal and sometimes state-based um, encouragements towards assessment or requirements for assessment um, that lead to new standards. But some of it is this attempt to to broker change in these big systems is how, how do you do that? And so you get some people together and they write a report and you hope that report get listen, gets listened to. And certainly, you know, y- y- you cannot argue that the NGSS has been less effective than the NSES. It, it has a much broader impact. Like yeah. we're getting close to, I think we're nearly 40 States have either adopted the NGSS or adopted some version as, which is what Pennsylvania, if they continue sure. forward, will do some version that has a lot of the same structure and organization as the NGSS, but is in our case, Pennsylvaniaized. Yeah. Um but, but that is massive compared to the impact of the NSES, which was mostly, as I said, it, it it influenced, but it was more an influence document and not an adoption document as much as NGSS has been. And I think probably that's at least in part due to the the Common Core and, and that that was happening at a simultaneous time. So there was a lot of political will around some sort of national standards. And then, yeah, the... The problematic nature of that that then we end up as we were saying, like oh well we're going to identify the underperforming schools so we can help them, and we know how that usually works out
0: see the one thing I, I worry a little bit about in the political climate we're in now is seeing like that this gets you know mixed in with all of the other things that are pe- people are concerned about without like much evidence right mm. that they're and that they, you know, and in, in Pennsylvania, this is happening and it's happening all over the place. Like I've, I've been listening to the, the South Lake podcast and that, you know, kind of it is it in a nutshell. Right. And if mm-hmm. you don't know that podcast, check it out. Um, but the, um, that, that our schools are becoming more and more politicized and it's happening at the local level, but it's also happening at the state level. And so my concern is that as this, you know, it's finally getting to the point where it's like, getting you know public comments and getting voted on that the climate has shifted so much that there's this this big huge concern of what's happening in our schools and that maybe you know uh the state are going to be like well we want to know exactly what textbooks everyone's using and you know what like like that level of minutiae right that schools mm-hmm. are going to be um because there's it's happening in in like english it's happening like what what books are you assigning your students to read and and mm-hmm. and in science i i think there's um that could happen too i mean it's already so politicized science in the in the last like 2 years
1: yeah and there i mean i think you know the difference well maybe this is not a difference maybe this is just as true in english as it is in science but but it tends to be a very small number of things. Right. So so science is not universally controversial. For the most part, it's uncontroversial. People aren't fighting a lot about, like, should you teach anatomy or should you teach Newton's three laws? You know what they're fighting about are the ones that have social uh, implications. Right. So um, things like climate change and evolution um at least in, in most of the conservative States where those things are seen as having a sort of political connotation to them or, or a religious connotation. Um, and Pennsylvania certainly has been one of those States, right? I mean, we, we had, um, we had one of the big lawsuits during my time at Penn state about, about teaching evolution in schools that happened in Pennsylvania. And so, so this idea of, well, science as a body, isn't, isn't really um controversial and political but there are aspects of it and increasingly now of course um infectious disease and epidemiology um but which
0: is wild to think that that is going to be something that's controversial yeah
1: Yeah, well we'll see whether that's universal or whether that's specific to covid and um but you know i mean certainly there's been more talk in the last three years about vaccinations and how they work than probably has happened since polio. Um, You know, we just, we're in a whole different space around that. And in terms of why, why we need to know what it's for and all the other things. Right. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's interesting and, but it is worth, you know, again, returning to this idea of what our standards about, to recognize that standards, no matter what we do, they are a political process, right whether they're happening with a with a relatively small group of people in um in d c writing a report like those people had to be selected by somebody and they had to be identified as having expertise in something, and as a result they're they're a subset of the population, and so they're so what they say is going to be politicized because some people are going to say that they're you know they're trying to represent or, or ram some agenda down the throat of of American students and um yeah so it's 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 a fraught process this idea of like well how do you deal with um with saying these are the things that every person in the United States should know because that's really what you're saying when you write a standard is you're saying we believe this is what that to be a citizen in this country you should know these things um and not i mean when you say it that way it seems patently obvious why people wouldn't agree that and right. have exactly the same list right
0: i mean it's just well and and when you think about how it's done in other countries right in other countries yeah. there it, it's there are some countries there there's a national board that sets it for everyone yeah. right and would would we want that i mean yeah, if yeah. we ha- it, I don't know. I mean, because I think that there's this, you know, inherent democracy, this belief in democracy that we have that Mm -hmm. we would go, well, you know, why should that group and what are those folks elected and are they representative? And Mm -hmm. that's how, you know, that's how we run things in this country. And so and that's what's at the heart of everything we do from top down and so while it creates some problems for us, and it's certainly, you know, in that only 40 states have adopted the NGSS, and then, and then there's other states who are, like, going to, you know, create their own versions or their own, right. <laughs> you know, subset of them. But, I mean, would we want it some other way from a from a democratic perspective? Probably yeah. not. Would we well, want some, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're yeah, oh It's you're, an
1: interesting yeah. question because, I mean, then the flip side of that is, like, what is our national identity? If everybody gets to define themselves locally, then are we the United States? Like, I mean, I think this is part of the reason that that you have national curriculum in so many countries is because everyone, even in the United States, recognizes that the primary role of school is the enculturation of children into our society to I, to basically make them into Americans. However, you want to think about that. Broadly or narrowly, the idea is to prepare them for that and it's not just in civics that that happens; it happens across the board because schools are are representations of their their country, because that's where they developed, and that doesn't mean there's not similarities across lots of schools across the country or across the world. What it means is that the content and the and even the practices that it, uh, happen in those schools represent something about the way that that country operates. So, if we do go for you know a, a free for all and say, and I'm I know, I know you're not advocating for this, but if we no. went to the more to the bigger extreme and just said you know, the, the sort of pre-standards version, which is all schools can sort of define what kids need to know based on on local decision-making. I mean, probably what would happen is we'd go back to some text-based version of of defining it because school districts don't have the capacity to do this right. work, right? Like they can't develop a whole curriculum for every subject for all kids through K-, to, K to 12 it's just not possible which is how the textbook industry got started right is is you can sell this curriculum to school districts and they don't have to develop it from scratch so
0: yeah and, yeah. and you're right about the capacity because like I, I i remember and i we won't you know talk about the specifics of this but you and i went to a meeting oh maybe like 15 years ago um mm-hmm. with a school district you remember this and we went we went to this school district, and we were going to do some professional development or support act. Yeah, well, I I know the specifics, <laughs> but I'm going to like try to like pull yeah, back yeah. on the specific, Be vague. But, be vague. Yeah, and this we met with the you know uh, some some administrators, and they didn't have a curriculum. They uh, yes, yeah, and and they were like, well, you know, these folks use this. Textbook. These folks use this textbook. And they handed us a piece of paper and they were like, well, this is what's being taught in this teacher's class. Mm-hmm. And it was just wild because we had such a, you know, a, a variation of what was being taught in school to school, in classroom to classroom, because this district um didn't have the capacity for curriculum writing. And so yeah. they were just using textbooks to drive their you know, what was being taught. And yeah. it, it was clear that, you know, depending on who you had and what school you were in, um, and this would be one of those schools that, you know, on a state level would have been, you know, deemed underperforming. Um yeah, sure. And 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 actually had been, you know, at, at one point taken over, I think, um, for you know, some sort of um government, you know, yeah, know, you know for like, underperformance. That, yeah. For, for the underperformance. Yeah. Right. And so that's uh so I did did I do a good job of like anonymizing yeah. that. Yeah, Yeah, I I think so. But that's, but that's a perfect example of what you're saying is that, you know, that we have so much local control that if, if the district doesn't have the capacity to do that um, or the will to do it, right. Because there's just so much, so much other stuff going on um, that it's going to get lost. It's going to get lost. And, and that what students are getting taught is just an absolute free for all because it takes it down to the lowest level. Like Each individual teacher has the ability to teach whatever they want or however they want. And then it's
1: right. Well, and, and now we can, thanks to what you just described, we can bring this all back to the theme of the last few episodes, which is about equity because originally the, the purpose of standards was to create more equitable systems across the United States. It was to say like, there are quote unquote, high performing schools. And this is, you know, this is before testing, um, you know, but, there, there are good schools and bad schools for lack of a better way of describing it, right? And so so one of the ways we can find out which are the bad schools and how to help them is to set a, a bunch of standards that articulate what it is that kids are, you know, it's an outcomes-based notion, yeah. right? It's like, okay, well, kids who graduate from high school should have the following attributes. And if they don't, then the school failed to prepare them for that. So so it it was an attempt on some level at, Trying to promote equity, of course, that's not the way it works in most systems. Use and misuse. It
0: comes back yeah, to it. Use and right. misuse. Exactly. It was the, the misuse well, the people like, with
1: power once, the, right. like, they'll just change the rules. So it's like, yeah. well, okay, so we're going to put these standards in place and measure, and then we'll say, well, in, what we're going to do with the bad schools is punish them, right? Um, because they're bad. And it's like,
0: well, or 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 blame, right? Yeah. Or blame. You know the variation know, it, on punch. right, exactly, right, exactly. No. It's you know, um, it's kind of like it's
1: blame I, the victim,
0: I, I, I blame the victim, right? Well, the, it's kind of like a, this is going to be a complete rabbit hole, but it's like like the BMI, right, the body mass index, right? Yeah. So it's it's in itself like is like a a metric that's supposed to help you know people like determine are they being healthy or something, mm. but then they use that and say okay, these people are are healthy and these people are not healthy. And the people that are not healthy, you know, especially if we look at it from an equitable standpoint, like there are food deserts in in America, right? Mm And so they're not They don't have the uh, availability of like fresh vegetables and fresh fruit. But then we go in there with the BMI and say, look, like all of these people like have really high, you know, BMI and they're clearly unhealthy, but it's it doesn't get at the structural issues at play, you know, and these are like big, big structural issues that are impacting that, that make it. Inequitable, like, yep. you know, and in, in, in Pennsylvania, it's like tax bases. It's like tax bases, is the big, huge thing, like how mm-hmm. we fund schools in our state is, is really what drives a lot of the inequity. And, mm-hmm. and that I think, and then testing is not going to correct that. No. Right. Or creating standards is not going to like, we don't need more information to say that these schools aren't. That's right. You know, I mean,
1: I think that's the fundamental point is that right. just all we're doing is measuring something we know to be true and then using that as a further um, punishment for the, for the things that we wanted to do in the first place. And the BMI is an example of that too. Yeah. If just sm- small, interlude, I think I've recommended this podcast before, but maintenance phase is a great podcast about sort of health and diet and stuff, and it, they have a great series on the BMI, so well worth it. But um, but yeah, this idea that like, well, we have to measure things so that we can in uh, you know incontrovertibly compare these schools that we know are failing to the ones that we know aren't failing, um, and then and then yeah, not say well the reason for this is. Well, okay. Redlining, poverty, right. all, all these systematic things that we've done to make, to make, as you say, the tax base in particular areas, because that's how schools are funded with local tax base. Yeah. So we destroy the tax base. The schools have no money to operate. And then we'd say the schools are terrible and we measure them and say they're terrible. And then we say, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take away more of your funding because you're terrible. It's like well okay so that yeah. like the, the, the the perverse logic of that is just it's just makes the head spin right like we yeah it's, it's bad man <laughs> it's bad like well
0: we went into a dark dark space there <laughs> yeah
1: yeah maybe, maybe we need to take a step back and go to joys here because that <laughs> i don't know where we're how we recover from this one but um yeah i mean I I think they I think you're right. We've hit on some themes that this show tends to hit on, which is one right. the the unintentional consequences of of um you know well-intended ideas, right? So standards are well-intended, but they have unintended consequences that are not so fantastic. And that this happens a lot in education because and not just in education, like going back to health, like lot, sure. lots of human endeavor where we think there are simple solutions to complex problems. We end up putting our hand in a garbage disposal a little bit. And, and that wow. is not <laughs> super good. Right. I mean, we end up, we can often make things worse with our, with our well-intentioned ideas. So, um,
0: I feel like we need a disclaimer there that people should not put their hands in the big yeah, garbage. That, as well. I,
1: I was using that as an example of a bad thing. <laughs> okay. I mean, I if it's wouldn't... off, if it's off, you're okay. It's the problem is uh,
0: I'm just going to clarify that. Don't do that. And yeah. you know, don't put the, you know, the fork in the toaster don't, and yeah, don't, <laughs> don't do
1: don't put okay. any part of your body in a garbage disposal do not put any part of your body into a
0: toaster right <laughs> uh, just yeah all right that's yeah. the that's the there we the content it. that people come here for right. those, that, the, those nuggets of wisdom
1: standard based conversation where we explain <laughs> that you shouldn't put your hand in the toaster
0: like that's something we should chart. Yeah, like how right. do we go from standards to the BMI to yeah. putting stuff in garbage disposal? I can only that.
1: imagine what a visual representation <laughs> of this podcast
0: would look like. it
1: like yeah. uh, look like a three-year-old with a crayon, just scribbling <laughs> m- maniacally on a piece of paper.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to probably revisit this next week. Cause we've talked about like how we're going to like, where we're going to go from here. Like yeah. I think next week we're going to talk a little bit about like restructuring schools and how we would do that to, um, from a NGSS standpoint? If we were to use yeah, that, what it would like, look like? What it would look like? And and I guess that's kind of like the aspirational nature of of the standards is you know what what is the moonshot that would come from this if we, if we were, had the ability. Um, and the will, and yep. and and you know, and all of the financial backing to be able to do this. Yep. Um what would that look like? And and the, I think that's going to be a, a really interesting conversation. Um, but but Joyce, what about Joyce for you, Scott? Joyce, you Joyce? Joyce. Joyce, yeah, I got a joy. I got a Joyce week.
1: Yeah, and it's podcast adjacent, but it's not a podcast. It's a book. So okay. um, So this is a book by Lulu Miller, and Lulu Miller is one of the hosts of invisibilia which is an npr podcast yeah. that's, that's quite good um but she wrote a book called why fish don't exist um and the subtitle is a story of loss love and the hidden order of life um and it's it's a uh, i'm not quite done with it but i will say it's great and it takes you places that you are not expecting to go given the given the structure of the book and you uh, you know it's about it's. About, I guess, to the thing, to the degree that's about something. It's about David Starr Jordan, who was the first president of Stanford. Um, but it's about lots of things. He, he was an ichthyologist. He was a he was a fish person um from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and and he so he collect he was one. He's named a lot of species of fish. He spent a lot of time collecting fish and naming fish. um And at least in part, as a result, ended up getting named to be president of this brand new spanking university stanford that got founded in palo alto california um but it's got a lot of fascinating twists and turns and it's connected to lulu's life in interesting ways and um yeah i've just really enjoyed it it's a fun book to read and uh she's a very she's a very good writer it has a sort of a podcasty vibe to it um in a lot of respects it's sort of got you know some of that turns outiness that a lot of podcasts have including Invisibilia where they sort of oh it's this but really it's this and you yeah. d- didn't expect it and um so I don't want to spoil it but um for those who want to read it but I I strongly recommend it really really solid stuff
0: mine is a podcast and I mentioned it earlier is the South Lake podcast um it uh it's a tough listen mm-hmm. um it's kind of a uh, a lot like um Uh, Nice white parents, um, but it's sort of like the not nice white parents. (laughs) (laughs)
1: White white parents gone wrong.
0: (laughs) Right. It is what 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 happens is it's um, it charts a uh, a school district in um, in Texas after kids, some kids were um, recorded. Some kids had posted a video on TikTok using the N word. Mm. And how the local school district reacted to that to try to m- develop a curriculum to make the schools more inclusive, so that that kind of when they when they interviewed students of color in the district, they found that these these things were pretty pervasive, um, and so the school district sought out us uh, to try to develop a curriculum, and that 's when all hell breaks loose and yeah. And no one saw that coming, right? No one. Like, yeah. No. But, nobody like,
1: thought like trying to develop a curriculum about race in Texas would be problematic.
0: Yes, and, and but I think that what it does is it, um, if you're not familiar with the things that are happening in schools right now and how how much of the and this is stuff we've been talking about probably since the, almost the beginning of this podcast is how politicized you know schools have become. Um, I think this does a really good job. So it's hard to say it's a joy. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to it I the content is really tough and yeah. actually our awesome colleagues and I are getting together and talking about it it's just to be able to like do something with that because it, it's such a tough listen that we feel like we need to process it together so I find stuff like that joyful in that they're um they make me think and make me feel and that's always something valuable. But the actual content and what it uncovers isn't always joyful. And yeah. that actually was something I have to you know, give a shout out to a, a listener, uh, Allison, who actually tipped me off on this because I was observing her class virtually. And she had played a section, a section of the South Lake podcast and I'd heard it like a couple other places, mm. but I didn't even give it any like mine. And then when I, she had played like, like a three or four minute section of it with her class, I was like, oh, I've got to check that out because that sounds really interesting. And I'm like about halfway through right now with it. And it's just really, I mean, it's like a, like a six or seven episode series. So I'm like, maybe at like episode three or four. Um, and it's just really rich. So yeah. if, if you listen to uh, Nice Way Parents, listen to this because it's it's very similar um, in approach and also similar in in content, but a very different uh, ways of seeing it. Yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it. I mean. With the exception of this one, it is amazing the the quality and breadth of content that's out there in podcasting right now I mean, just, <laughs> I mean this decidedly mediocre nichey podcast is very you know, but there are a ton of yeah um, really and and some are super highly produced and thoughtful in that way, and others are are um fantastic, not no. You're looking oh, for me to not, I'm just saying, isn't it? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is <laughs> there are podcasts that are formatted like this one that um, yeah.
0: are, are, are really good. <laughs> they're really good. Like ours. Bring,
1: bring up interesting topics and, and discuss them in thoughtful ways. And then there are ones that are like a third, a uh, three-year-old scribbling on a piece of paper with a crayon. Uh, so
0: that's yeah, that's where you're going with this. That's I see. Well, I think that's probably a good time for us to, you know, call this uh to close. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it was great seeing y'all. Yeah, we're yep. hearing, quint, hearing yeah, you. Quint, uh, uh, No, we didn't hear them. They heard no. us. Yeah, we did. I mean, is. maybe we'll
1: hear from them later. Hopefully. Yeah. But, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Hopefully, but. Uh, who knows?
0: Um, yeah. Like, hey, Ollie oh, and Scott, at, you guys are trash. Uh, <laughs> you guys. Brah. Yeah,
1: that's our. Well, the, hey. That's our one troll listener.
0: Right. That 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 person. Um, Tommy, all right, Tommy well, Troll. <laughs> that's his name. Tommy <laughs> Troll. Uh, all right, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, in between. See you then.